jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! Alright, well... Anthony, once again, we're not alone here at Stately Gaylords of Darkness Manor. Uh, this manor, it, are we being gentrified? What's happening? <laughs> we are being gentrified. <laughs> we're moving on up with, with new friends. Oh, it's Stacy is like the Sentinel. And these are all of our, our uh, undead ghost neighbor killers. Oh, perfect. Coming to join us at our birthday party. At our birthday party. Oh, let me get out my leotard. Hold on oh, a minute. Oh, get that ready. Call me Greta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love the Sentinel. Oh, but, it's so good. But today we are not talking about the Sentinel. No. Oh, we're not? I took the wrong notes. We're, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're not. No, we're talking about... Well, should we introduce... Let's talk... All right. The guests. First of all, we have a guest here, listeners, for Hello. Women in Horror Month. We have writer, actor, and professional lesbian, <laughs> Guinevere Turner is here. Ah! I just want to for all you listeners out there, being a professional lesbian doesn't pay well. It oh. really doesn't. <laughs> is it equity? <laughs> <laughs> It's like the residuals suck because there's always new ones coming up. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so we're going to talk about a little movie called Slumber Party Massacre. Oh, yes. And uh, the thing that's, well, the number one, or the I should say the, the thing you encounter first when wondering how les can this movie be is the fact that one of the biggest leses in, in history wrote it. Yeah. Yeah, Rita Mae Brown herself. Rita yeah. Mae Brown wrote it. Now, if you don't know Slumber Party Massacre, you should know Slumber Party Massacre. Basically, a bunch of girls have a slumber party, and uh, there's a massacre because a maniac. <laughs> there's escapes. a massacre. <laughs> uh, like the title is very descriptive, which I appreciate. I don't yeah. have to. I don't have to guess. I don't. The, you know. The title is its own synopsis. It's you so guys know that there are two two previous titles that Rita May wanted that are not the title of the movie. And you know what? Arguably, they're not their own synopsis. Oh, what but are yeah. they? Well, one is Don't Open the Door. I know that one. Yes. And then the other one, what Rita May finally settled on was Sleepless Nights. Oh. oh those could be erotic thrillers. Uh, yeah, that could be a religious scare movie about Jehovah's Witnesses. You don't know. <laughs> Sleep This Nights feels very like um, Tonight on USA. Exactly. You know? yeah. Or a lesbian bar in like Sheboygan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have a punch card for there. <laughs> you know, I one of the first like lesbian bars i went to when i was in college uh it was called the grapevine i believe oh my god and they had a poster on the wall that said when all else fails buy her another beer oh my god yeah this was like small town like oh super dykey bar like posters of melissa etheridge on the like just 
<laughs> one of my favorite things is to compare the names of lesbian bars to the names of gay male bars. And here's just a couple of true life examples from the Chicago area. Um, <laughs> rumors and, oh God, there was, it was it, I want to say it was called foreshadowing, but that's not what it was called. Dramatic <laughs> <laughs> irony. <laughs> and then so it was like, in Chicago, it was like the manhole. And then end rumors where that was the lesbian bar. The temptations. Oh, temptations is another one. That's why grapevine is good because and whispers. It's always like la 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 lady talk for the <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there was that one in um, rumors, whispers, grapevine. Oh my god, there was moon shadows. Oh. That used to moon shadows used to be over in Van Nuys or wherever it was. I threw up in their parking lot. That was a good. That was a good moon party. shadows. By Moon Shadows, yeah, that was a good par- that was a good party. Moon Shadow is the witch store here. Well, <laughs> same thing. And at night, it's the lesbian bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the yeah, like gay male bars, male centric, are always like stick it in potholes. <laughs> yeah, dicks. Like it's just. You know, Ball. And then, yeah, lesbian bars are always like soft, silky euphemisms. Or like... <laughs> That's the full name, soft, silky yeah. euphemisms. <laughs> Tonight on USA. <laughs> anyway, so sleep. Anyway, anyway, yeah. So, slumber party massacre. Maniac escapes, kills a bunch of people at a slumber party, mostly girls. You know as yeah. these things go but here here's one thing i have to before we even get into this movie is that uh guinevere i've known you for quite some time yeah and the first time we hung out you said how can you watch all those horror movies and i had to explain myself and the fucking last time we hung out which was like two months ago you're like how can you watch all those horror movies <laughs> You won't just let me live my life. So here's what this is. It's unusual coming from uh, someone who, you know, I mean, you co-wrote American Psycho. I did. Which is like a big deal in the horror world. It's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. Um, And so imagine my surprise when you texted me and you were like, I watched Slumber Party Massacre and we have to talk about it. (laughs) Well, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) well that's true it's so deeply les in every way that it is a laugh riot like it like down to the the conversations that they're having that aren't the primary conversation in a given scene it's about the baseball game i mean the coach is a hero the, the basketball coach all of the all of the shots that you, that would be of the cheerleaders are of the boys watching the girls' basketball team. Yes. There is a phone line repair woman. There's a woman drilling a hole like, hey, Pam, how you doing? Like, it's so less. Uh, don't mind me. I'm just drilling your pole. <laughs> <laughs> That's Stacy as the phone woman. <laughs> <laughs> That's my pickup line at the grapevine. <laughs> hey, you need someone to drill your people? <laughs> <laughs> It's a fun fact that that woman who plays Pam, the, the hole driller of the people, the hole um, driller, was actually on a set deck on the on the show. She wasn't actually an actor. Just so you know, they were like, "Hey, get a Les who looks convincing with a drill." Ah, Pam, can you come over here? <laughs> she really she had that early '80s soft curly mullet thing going on. 
Oh, she, she like my first note was she is so cool. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love phone woman. Oh, the phone woman's great with that headband. Oh, that's the first like real ass shot that we get. Where it's true. Like, oh, sweet dittos. <laughs> do you know? Do you remember that's a, that's the kind of dude she's married. That kind that have the seam sort of a framing the heart shaped ass kind of thing. That's that, oh, that was yeah yeah. Like um, what's her name? final not the final girl but the second to final girl the penultimate girl the penultimate Um, girl um it's valerie valerie oh she lives um spoiler alert uh but she (laughs) is wearing a sweet ass pair of sergio valentes i mean i literally (laughs) oh yeah yeah that i am about the age i'm a i was in 1982 when this movie came out i was 14 so but but the style i wanted that hair i wanted those jeans i had those jeans i wanted to be those girls i wanted to be at that party just so you know. Yeah, I still want to be at that party. Like, it's a great party. I mean, it'd be a little weird if I showed up. Like, what's going on, everybody? Like me now, but they're just so like Kim. The I mean, oh, she's she's my favorite. Sorry, Kim is the light of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Kim, Kim is the, the slutty one who wants to be with the boyfriend. No, Kim is the uh, the blonde, right? The the one who ends up in the refrigerator. Oh, yeah, right. underestimated Kim because she like shows us her titties. And he's like, not bad. Yeah, <laughs> she also has the greatest fashion of all time. Like that's the, her space babe shirt with yes. the holographic text that says <laughs> space babe. I, I need that shirt now. Suspenders, <laughs> like bringing it all. Nineteen eighty two. Yeah. Yes. Suspenders and hollow text. Like, oh my God, Kim. (laughs) It's so good. So I think it's worth noting that Rita Mae Brown wrote the original script and it was Don't Open the Door. And then Amy Holden Jones found it. Uh, It was going to be unproduced, found it and directed. There was a prologue and she directed the prologue to show Roger Corman that she could kind of handle doing a feature. And so he said, okay, fine, do a feature. And Amy Holden Jones basically rewrote the script. And there's this weird, uh, she said, she said between Rita Mae Brown and Amy Holden Jones. And Amy Holden Jones says the original script had no humor in it. It just didn't work. It was terrible. I had to rewrite it. Rita Mae Brown is like, my script was really satire. What did you do to my script? Right. So I would love to get my hands and eyeballs on that original script. And so yeah. And yeah. I've, up. I've heard a lot about the behind the scenes and how this film was kind of taken away from someone or another. Yeah. But that's really surprising to me because I feel like the satire and the, and the slasherness of it and the feminism really comes through in the final product. Yeah. I know. And, and other fun fact is that Amy Holden was, Amy, wait, Amy Holden Jones, Amy Jones Holden. Holden Jones. Holden Jones. He turned down editing E.T. to direct this movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Which is such a fucking gamble. (laughs) What a queen move, though. Well, I mean, what? You want to stare at a glowing alien finger or or deal with Kim and the space babes taking out the driller killer? (laughs) Right. And all the, like... All the gratuitous titties. I mean, I was sort of like in the opening shower scene where they're all in the shower and they're talking. First of all, it's just a peeve of mine how people bathe in movies. I'm like, why are you rubbing that bar of soap on your shoulders? Like, I've never rubbed a bar of soap on my shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
I like, like how perfunctory it is. Like it's literally just a camera pointed at an ass. With yeah. Just so like sad. this is what you want, right? Like you can just feel sort yeah. of the disdain of the director, just being like, you know, you guys want an ass? Here's a fucking ass right in the camera. Oh yeah. yeah. And they and the camera follows the bar of soap for like three different women. In case you're wondering what you're supposed to be paying attention to, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things where everybody, in retrospect, is uncomfortable with that scene. Like the actresses are like, "Yeah, it wasn't great," and Amy Holden Jones is like, "Yeah, I did what I had to do, but it was a Roger Corman movie." Hmm. But to me, I, I immediately thought it was funny. Like I thought, I thought that she was the director was going like, here it is. Like here's some, here's some but there, you know, here's some, here's all the TNA you need. We're gonna give this to you. Like stay with us. It's so um, surprising to me that she didn't that eat, that the director didn't think it was funny because it's funny. Like yeah. it's it, yeah, it is. Sense, you know, like, sort of over there's there's so much. There's so much uh, winking that it doesn't. I, I, it's hard for me to believe that she didn't intend it to be funny. That's yeah. what's weird. Which makes me think that I mean, the script must have been funny, and she did, and she kept some of it. Yeah, I it's, think Amy Holden Jones considers it a horror comedy. I think. Uh, okay. Oh, but yeah. I don't know like, about if she she did. I don't know about that specific scene. I've only heard everybody mention regrets with that. I've <laughs> mentioned regrets. I feel like <laughs> I feel like especially following the very opening scene of Trish going through and like this like girl you'll be a woman soon moment of like throwing out all of her stuffed animals <laughs> and her horse doll and her Barbies. Yeah, getting her tits out like right away. Like there's yeah. boobs in the first like thirty seconds of this movie. But you know what bothers me about that scene, and this is weird to say, but she wakes up, she takes off her t-shirt, she puts on a dress, she wears that dress and those panties for the rest of the movie. Like, she never changed her panties for the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you sleep in your panties when you wear those panties all day, and then you play basketball in those panties? I mean, yes, you took a shower, but we saw how thorough that was. Like, I just felt like Trisha's... <laughs> <laughs> that could be... No never, one's going to the bathroom no in this movie and the they're all wearing the same panties. <laughs> <laughs> I never considered that. Wow. But it's surprising for all of the like, you ruined my, this isn't my script. I rewrote the script, whatever. It's a surprising how much, like you said, deep les there is in it still. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no, yeah. there's no housewife. There's no woman who isn't either a basketball player, a basketball coach, a phone line repair person, or just a random lady who comes over and drills holes in your door. Like, those are all. <laughs> yeah. There's cats everywhere. Cats everywhere. Oh, my God. Oh, thank you God. Jenna home alone when she spills her wine. She's making the loneliest lesbian tortilla or quesadilla ever. Like, she's just making. <laughs> <laughs> like a glass of wine and a sad little cheese quesadilla for this les <laughs> oh oh and and her cat's name is muffin i mean come yeah, on muffin <laughs> there's a ruby for a jungle cameo of course yes. um, of course there, i feel like i there's a tennis player and i you know like a there's a picture i think on trisha's wall maybe and i couldn't tell if it was martina navratilova or it could have been Bjorn Borg, too. <laughs> they kind of looked the same at the time. <laughs> I, would assume, I would assume it's Martina, because I think, she, wasn't she Rita Mae Brown's girlfriend for a while? Yeah, they were together for a while, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which always confused me because of the butchness of the two of them. But if you look back on photos of them together, Rita Mae was definitely growing it up back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. She got, she got butchier as she got older. And then like Martina's girlfriends got girlier and, and Rita Mae's got girlier. <laughs> <laughs> I see a trend here. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it is for the pizza scene is like one of my favorite slasher scenes. Oh my God. When they eat the- like it genuinely makes me laugh out loud. Like, yeah. He's so cold. <laughs> is the pizza. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just leave the pizza sitting on top of him. It's just so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, really? Even the men in this movie look kind of like late in life lesbians, like small town <laughs> lesbians. Like it's just so it's the most lesbian slasher movie. And I say that considering that movie make a wish is out there. Which I don't know if oh. you've ever, either of you have ever seen Make a Wish. No. Oh. Is it about a foundation? <laughs> it is. It's about this terminally ill child. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's about it's like it's a slasher movie made by someone who doesn't really know how to make a decent slasher movie. But it's it's like oh, like most of them, like most of them. But it's like lesbians go camping and then they get killed. You know. Oh well, that's it's terrible, but noteworthy for the fact that it's like lesbians and was made yeah were made by lesbians and you know yeah. There's it, not a lot. There's not and a lot. Slumber yeah. Party. Oh, sorry. Do you guys know the actual age of the actress who played Trish when she does the movie? Because I just say because she she there's a moment where she's like, "Mom, I'm 18," and I'm like, "You're 28." Like you, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like when she's throwing away her horses and everything, I was like, "Oh, this 30 year old is growing up." Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they all seem pretty, especially uh, Valerie seems like I, Anthony. She reminds me of Ronnie Blakely as uh, Nancy's mom in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, yes, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just change change up her hair a little bit, and that's her. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So. I love that little fourteen-year-old baby Courtney is horny as well. <laughs> Just like getting oh. accused of jacking off boys in fifth grade. I'm like, really? Yeah. Courtney <laughs> with her her uh, hidden Playgirl magazine. Like Courtney is my. F- I mean, I love. I'm Team Kim, but Courtney is my favorite part of this movie. Yeah. You this lollipop while looking at Playgirl is also a favorite detail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because when we talk about the ages of the actresses, too, like compared to their characters, like really everyone should maybe be a little bit closer to Courtney's age and Courtney should maybe be like five years younger than she is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Courtney, I like the, I like that she's the pervy little sister, which totally oh, like, I mean, Gwen, I know you haven't seen part two, but it's like, it really, well, part two is interesting what they do with Courtney. I'll say that. Yeah. For now. For now. I, I kind of experienced some prom night two prom night three stacy vibes for myself (laughs) just because i love this courtney so much yeah this is not my courtney yeah (laughs) yeah but amy holden jones seems to think that this movie is about a virgin's fear of sex and to me it's it's like a lesbian saying like men no thank you you know yeah yeah because he's i mean he's a serial rapist right and <laughs> yeah he's gonna drill you and until all these women band together and cut his drill off 
the best is his like his like you know his origin story speech is just like what is he saying? He's like, "You're very pretty. I love you. I love you. <laughs> I have to love you to do this. Uh, you're gonna want it." I'm like, "God, it's so like deliciously clunky." They're like, oh, "We should let him talk." I'm like, "Don't let him talk. Don't let him talk." Yeah, he didn't oh, he's- to say anything at all. No, he's such a creep with his, like, gross red eyes and his sweat face. Like, he has a constant <laughs> sweat face throughout the whole movie. He did two things to prepare for the role. One, he's mimicking the movements of a peacock. Obscure. Yeah! <laughs> Stacey was talking. We were talking. There's a special feature with him where he talks about how method he is. And it's, like, shocking. And then also that he read Helter Skelter, which is also kind of nonsensical to me. Like, what? Why did you read Helter Skelter? What the fuck does that have to do with it? It's like a story of like three women who killed some people randomly. Like, there's no man, there's no drill. Like, oh, like, why did you read Helter Skelter? Just to feel creepy? Like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, to get his sweat up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but what I love, one thing I love about this movie, and what I do love about all of the slumber party massacres, is that it's really about the girls versus, you know what I mean? Like, they're not super well developed characters, but they are friends. They bond before, during, before and during, like, what they're going through, and they're the main characters of it. Like, in this one, the killer, as opposed to, like, Freddy and Jason and blah, 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 it's just, a, like, a sweaty dude. Right. Yeah. In right. Sort of generic, and they're much more developed. And they're, you know what? They're trying to relive old times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, just to say that they're all, like, and, and that way, I guess, I do understand what the director meant, because underneath it all is like we're trying to still be girls that's why no boys are allowed that's why we're having a slumber party even though she just turned 18 slash 28 and <laughs> um, and so they're they're trying to to in that way they are trying to like recapture slash catch their innocence um yeah mm-hmm. it's that that's there it's definitely like you know trish is the one who wants to invite valerie and valerie has her own narrative she's too proud and you know what's her name? Who's the one who has the boyfriend who's like, uh, yeah, uh, Donna, Donna, D- Diane, Diane, and Diane is like she's the bad girl. Like they all, they, they're yeah, they're real, they're real. Uh, at least they are real tropes who have relationships to each other, you know. And they're all they're What I love about this, and I love this in any slasher movie that does this, and there's not a lot to do this. They're all friends. They all feel like friends. Um, and they're they like each other like mm-hmm. Diane is the closest thing we get to like a mean girl in the movie just with like how she talks about Valerie in the locker room and then you see how much that ex- upsets everybody else right. <laughs> yeah. they're like oh she has a big mouth that later they say like they actually are like don't be mean to girls which I yeah. thought you know, that's like that's also cool and unusual and then they even like kind of one up it and then make fun of like they reference diane's meanness when she's like and explain it away when they're like going through everyone's astrology and they go to diane and she goes "Mm -mm, scorpio of course (laughs) (laughs) there we go (laughs) it just made me wonder like who if rita may has like a thing you know because lesbians have things about scorpios scorpios and gemini's we know we do oh we Uh, we all do yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
it is unusual because slasher movies especially it's like it's just an assembly of people who are there to be killed we don't care about them sure they're friends going away for the weekend but they all hate each other and everything and these movies are really about female friendship and they help each other once once the killer shows up like they help each other you know, they yeah. band oh. together and stick together to try to fight and him Kim off. Is like, Kim is feeling the pain when she, she knows that Valerie's downstairs and, like, maybe she's going to get killed. And then and then Trisha's like, maybe they're friends. Maybe they're friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that she's ready. She's the conspiracy theorist just ready to go. <laughs> and it it is a tragedy. Every single time one of them dies, it's really sad. Like, I just kept writing in my notes. I just kept writing... No, R.I.P. Jackie. No, R.I.P. Kim. <laughs> no, like, I love you all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, here's a question How did he cut off the boyfriend's head with that drill? It was such a cool cut. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the drill physics here are sketchy at best. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. How did he drill out both of those eyes? Like, it's. <laughs> Just, yeah. And then stand up the pizza man in front of the door. Stand <laughs> up, <laughs> and and so then when they go like, how much is it, or what's the damage? And he's all six dollars. It was so land shark. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he specialized in corpse photography and knew how to prop up a body first. Oh, that could from be his, from his vaudeville training. <laughs> Um, there's this other like weird detail so when he kills that first like one of the first girls in the school like locks her in the school and kills her he then runs from the school with his bloodied self and drill to a van I feel like you wouldn't run like you try to be cool maybe put the drill (laughs) (laughs) you're looking to see here I'm just running with a bloody drill to a white van (laughs) yeah Yeah. outside of high school It's amazing. That first girl was Brink Stevens. Uh, she's oh, it was. It yeah, was Brink Linda. Stevens. Yeah, it was her first uh, speaking role, I guess, in a film. I so. always forget that's her. Yeah, she's what, great. What did she go on to do or be? She's a scream queen for sure. She did like her and Linnea Quigley, and um, oh my god, who's Michelle the... Bauer. Michelle Bauer like did so much together in the eighties. Yeah. And still do, actually. Yeah, she's just one of those actresses who's like, yeah, she like she loves being in horror movies. She'll get naked. She's like, I just love Brink Stevens. She's really yeah. great. She's really great. I was thinking when I was watching that how being her must suck because all she gets to do is be like, I don't know if I can come to the party and then she's dead. It's like, oh, bummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was the one who was maybe going to like, she's failing and she's forgetting her textbooks. I felt like I felt like she was going somewhere as a character. <laughs> yeah. yeah it and was her first like, she had always just been an extra and then this was her first and this was kind of like the moment where i've seen interviews with her where she's like this was when i had to decide am i going to be an actress or continue like she's also like a marine biologist or something what yeah and so it was kind of like the either or and slumber party massacre kind of pushed her towards being an actor so oh well god bless god bless <laughs> um Oh, so so it was funny when Valerie is pouring the Kool-Aid because before she made her Jim Jones joke. Oh, my God. I said to myself, this is 1982. Kool-Aid only meant one fucking thing in 1982. (laughs) Um, So so I wrote that down. And then she's like, just like Jim Jones says, drink your Kool-Aid. Okay, thank you. Because otherwise, (laughs) or maybe it would just be a subtle reference. Like, let's just like. 
put Kool-Aid in there. It's the brand that equals death and blood. Um, <laughs> that's not all. She was then going to make a joke. Um, so uh, what's his... <laughs> The the neighbor cracks me up. So, Mr. oh, he's so Mr. Content. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what is that name? First of all, like it's such a weird name that I've never heard a person have. Mr. Content. I kept wondering, like, if there was a joke in there about like content, literally, even though his name is C O N T A N T. Yeah, but like, what? Yeah, it just struck me as a really odd name. And then the fact that <laughs> he's so weird. <laughs> he's so weird. He, he, his hair looks like a wig, which is weird. And the fact that he's on a snail hunt with a cleaver and then she, because it's so hard to justify that that's a real thing that a guy would be doing that her, she's like, oh yeah, my dad goes on snail hunts. <laughs> <laughs> and then Trish like feeds him too. It's just, it's so weird. It's so weird. That's Rita Mae Brown being like, I don't know what men do. When they right. when they hang out together, snail hunts. I guess. Oh, yeah. He's never talked to a man long enough to really understand what his hobbies are. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Name him Mister Content, and then yeah. he's just a placeholder for content. Yeah. Oh, the, another just great les moment is uh, Diane. Is that her name? The one with the boyfriend. How she. Yeah. Like normally when there's a scare and someone comes up behind you and you're like, ah, stop it. Um, but she flips the motherfucker. <laughs> yes, Diane. <laughs> he's like this big jock dude. I was like, oh, that's hilarious. And he's like, ow, my back. And she's like, watch it. See you later, baby. Like, <laughs> <laughs> She went to her self-defense classes. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. I love these athletic queens. And I mean, to that end, like, I love coach so much it made me realize like i truly have a thing for the coach in horror films like carrie and i can't think i feel like there's like at least six other they're all perfect queens and they always die and it's so fucking tragic they're (laughs) always so close to saving the day you know what i mean like just they're that one character who doesn't have to be where she is she didn't have to come over but they're so nice because they just love their students so much yeah she's the teacher that believes in the kids right (laughs) (laughs) she has their phone numbers handy you know yeah and she did you notice her keychain no no was it no. a labrys or something no it's a little basketball oh. <laughs> oh. same thing oh girls girls and she's coming in with her speedo shirt on yes, um, yeah. yes. <laughs> it really felt like she was gonna save the day because you know what she was like she wasn't falling for him being under that blanket which is the most an awkward serial killer move to be sure that, when he just laid down like he was gonna take a nap like yeah, oh, I'm tired now. <laughs> he makes a weird face, like, "Ooh, this will be cozy." Like, it's just a, it's the weirdest performance ever from that actor. Yeah, I, and I also felt like, unlike most horror movies that I've seen, which admittedly are not a lot, because as as I've argued elsewhere, I'm scared of them. Um, he they showed him too much. Like once they really showed his face, you're like, "Oh, it's just like a regular dude with red rimmed eyes." Who like he just looks like a he just looks like an eighties actor. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he doesn't there was a, they didn't like shadow him or like sometimes I'm like, well, I was just like wearing a red t shirt and jean jacket. Like, you know what I mean? He was so true. Yeah. Which I think is good for this movie because if he's gonna be, you know, approaching a young woman with a large phallus 
and he's gonna be saying things like you know you want it yeah you love it like he should just look like a guy who would say that to you uh, like when you're just like walking down the street minding your own business right oh, yeah versus if he was like shadowed or something maybe that's kind of then it becomes the horror thing where it's like well who is this guy i want to know more about him Right. Kind of like with the other slasher killers. Yeah. It's kind of like Rita Mae saying, all men want to rape you. What do you mean he has to look weird or different? Right. Yeah. 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 And they all, they all sweat like this, too. They all sweat like this, and they wear Texas tuxedos. <laughs> oh, God. Double, double denim. And, oh, man. Oh, I always heard that called a Canadian tuxedo. Oh. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Sorry, Canada. <laughs> we get a cease and desist from <laughs> Justin Trudeau. Well, and that that moment when um when Coach is going up to the killer and she's like going to take him on and then I was like, "Oh no, Coach, don't. No, no." And, but then Trish, oh my god. Oh he, yeah. Th- this happens twice in the movie, but Trish just running out from around the corner brandishing a knife, <laughs> screaming. Yeah, she found her. She Sally got her groove and somewhere in that. Oh, she just I want, like you. I was just crying. The, the protracted crying at the end was. I was like, what? I, uh, that was too much for me. Um, <laughs> crying, Valerie's crying, Trisha's crying. Wait, go everyone's back. crying. Oh, even <laughs> Trisha's crying. Um, but I think even like, Stone Cold Courtney. Yeah, yeah. But but with that that with that. Um, there's going to be another slumber party massacre movie look on her eye, which I, you know, I give props to that actress for. She's like, oh, there's, there's, this story's not over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Trisha's, Trisha's sort of, you know, uh, her bravado with the knife. I mean, when she got a taste from stabbing homeboy once, she was back for more. She was like, yeah. But sadly, she didn't save the coach. But she sure did try. Oh, so sad. It really is. So sad. But then once they make it outside of that pool and just watching each of them kind of get their turn with him, mm-hmm. it's it's just such a union of queens that, oh, <laughs> I was just here for it. Hashtag time's up, baby! Time's up! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. I, um, I feel like, what did I learn from this movie? Well, I learned... <laughs> I have to be honest with you, um, even when I watch a movie like this and I can totally see that it's funny and that even the gore, like the gore is so kind of over the top that it's not, it's not, it doesn't get under my skin the way a lot of gore does. You know what I mean? It's not torture porn. It's like, in, in, in that way, it's really interesting because people, when yes. someone's about to get killed, they just get killed. It's like, what? Ah! And then they're dead. Do you know what I mean? So you don't sort of, <laughs> yeah. a lot of suffering really. You see people being afraid, but you don't see people like, crawl you know what i mean torture porn yeah yeah um and uh but so so but i i'm not i'm not gonna lie when i was watching it again i when people are screaming i still have to turn the volume down that's how sensitive i am even while i'm laughing Mm. i'm still like oh screaming ladies (laughs) you guys are (laughs) oh i know i'm just confessions of someone who's known for writing scary movies like somehow i just got painted into the corner and it's not really who I am. No. <laughs> but obviously I am because I can find this movie funny. Um, right. So yeah. I guess the, there are dark sides. Uh, and, and, you know, I have, I have a movie coming out, plug, plug. And um, it's not without its, um, you know, 
blood splatters. Well, that's true. You can oh. you can plug it up, Carrie, and talk about that movie. Oh, please right. do, please do. I want to hear all about it. Um, so... it's Blood Rain Five. Yes, yes! <laughs> more rain, more blood. No, <laughs> you know there's a new documentary coming out about Uva Bowl, by the way, uh, in which I'm interviewed. That's I saw fun. a trailer for that. I can't wait. Oh my god, that's so exciting. Yeah, um, and, and I got to, they interviewed me here in this very apartment, and uh, it, that was fun. It looks, it, I also saw the trailer, haven't seen the movie, it looks really good. Because um, it looks like it's not, uh, it's not, it's not, it's not just roasting him, like they know him and he's interviewed in it, and, you know what I mean? It's more, it's a more loving portrait of a maniac, which I find more interesting. Is um, it like, is it like I, Tanya for Ua Bowl? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. I mean, that's the impression I get. And that's the impression I got from talking to the documentarians that they were like, because I said, I'm not doing an interview uh, for a documentary about him if we're just going to, you know, roast him because I, that's just not classy and I'm super classy. For yeah. sure. And they were like, oh, funny hear stories. But anyway, um, uh, so my new movie that's coming out in theaters on May 10th, actually, um, and then on video platforms a week later, uh, it's called Charlie Says, and it's about the women who killed for Charles Manson. <gasps> That's the Sorry, reaction I'm... I want to get from everything I say and do, by the way, Anthony. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and But it mostly follows their time in prison. Um, and the, a, a young woman who was tasked to teach them when they were kind of stuck in solitary confinement for seven years, which they were, um, uh, uh, trying to give them as the warden of the prison, this is a true story, ask this young grad student to give these women a feminist consciousness. This is a true story. Oh so my God. My, so my movie is about this young grad student coming in and just seeing these totally brainwashed young women who are sing-songy and uh, still in complete denial, even though it's four years later or three years later, uh, about that, that, they're, that they have are responsible for their, the killings and that they were sort of coerced into it for, for no good reason. And it's about each of them um, coming to awareness or dealing with the fact that in fact they were brainwashed and they killed these people for no fucking reason. And, um, but within that they're telling, they're trying to explain to the grad student, like why and how they did it or just sort of justify why they did it. And so we we spend half the movie in flashback kind of seeing um, all the stuff that led up to them being manipulated into doing that stuff. So it's a it's um it's a sad movie which I didn't really fully realize until I was sitting at an audience uh with an audience in Venice the it premiered at the Venice Film Festival last September um and like I just looked down the row of all the actresses and a lot of the people who worked on the film and everyone was crying and I was like I guess that's my goal <laughs> Good job <laughs> Wait wait is Annabeth Gish in this She is yeah Oh my god! I'm wait. I did read about this. I'm so excited. That's so cool. Yeah, and she plays the warden. Oh, I love her. Ooh. Did Mary Heron do this one? Yes, she did. Oh my god! I'm. This is, sounds awesome. And it's the first movie. So she and I have done two other movies together that we co-wrote. This is the first movie that I solely wrote and she directed, which is a a great sort of career landmark for me. Sweet! Congrats. Thank you. I'm so excited and impatient. <laughs> you said may may's sec when is it may 10th in theaters and may 17 in uh on uh you know digital platforms awesome oh i can't wait 
it's yeah, the summer of Manson. I know. I know. We spent a lot of time talking about Quentin Tarantino's movie at, when we were in Venice. Uh, not because we wanted to, just because people kind of want to, you know, want to know what, what we know about it and how it's similar and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. My, my go-to um, semi-snarky, depending on my mood, thing to say is, let me tell you this. if you put me and quentin tarantino in a room together put a rock in between us and said write a movie about this rock they would be really different movies (laughs) yeah Yeah. i think you're also forgetting the haunting of sharon tate oh yes with Haley duff but i just find the entire concept of it really abhorrent (laughs) so i'm like really this is this is what we're doing with you know the manson tragedy is the fucking haunting of sharon tate it's a it's a sharon tate ghost movie yeah it's like she knew something bad was gonna happen before it happened no and and you know her sister who's very very vocal um has already sort of denounced that entire movie as like just somebody said that Sharon said something once and they sort of built an entire movie around it. And um yeah, so uh Quentin Tarantino's Sharon is Margot Robbie. That Which is why I'm I'm very torn because I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> I love Margot Robbie. I mean Margot Robbie in um, a bubble bath in the big short explaining short selling to me. I was not mad at. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and then our, our um, Sharon is an actress named Grace Van Dien, who is um, the daughter of Casper Van Dien. And, uh, oh. oh my God. Yeah. And she's magical. Like she's so good. Huh. But I'm not going to lie. The day that I'm standing on the set um, watching her beg for her life, yeah, with her face splattered in blood, was a day that was really like one of those like, what do I do for a living? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very intense because Grace, the actress, while everyone you know the scene, like a lot of people have blood on them, and it's a lot of actors in the scene, and uh, so uh, the actors are getting the other actors are getting splattered in blood, and Grace uh, is. She, we, uh, she was just had her face to the corner of the set, like uh, a la Blair Witch, uh, and was sobbing. And and I I came up to her and said, Grace, do you want me to do you want me to stand here and just sort of like protect you? Because I didn't know she was just like getting into this you know crazy crazy moment in this woman's life, one of the last moments of her life. And she was like all with her beautiful tears and her beautiful face. She's just like no. It's good for me to see them getting covered in blood. And I was like, that's when I'm, I started crying and I was like, I'm going to walk away. Like, what's happening? Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> God, that's what really makes me, I don't know, nervous about the Tarantino one. Like, I just, I just don't know. I haven't read a lot about it because I, on the one hand, I don't, I love Margot Robbie, but on the other hand, I don't care about this movie. And so yeah. I just, I don't know what he's going to do with all of this. And when it's a real life, tra- it's one thing when it's Slumber Party Massacre, but when it's a real life tragedy, like I have a, a really hard time with horror movies that are so flip about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, because that's happened. There's like, you know, the Chernobyl Diaries and there's a movie uh, about the Donner Party and just like all of these horrible things that have happened. And it's like you make some cheap fucking 
ghost horror movie about it and it's just really disrespectful to me my here's my thing is like i yeah i i feel just as torn and like i love margot robbie so much i mean i tanya was one of my favorite movies of the last forever um <laughs> but like and partially also because she played a true portland oregon icon and saved her <laughs> to us all who i'm gonna get tattooed on my skin at some point but um but like right next to my helena marcos tattoo but <laughs> I'm I'm so nervous. Like, how are they going to treat Sharon? It, I also I hope he doesn't try and kill Margot Robbie in a car accident. Also, like I'm like, uh, you know, part of me is thinking, well, what if he kind of like inglorious bastards it and does an alternate history where Sharon Tate? I mean, what if she survives and hunts down the Manson family? That would be cool. But then, what do I do with this depiction of Sharon Tate? I don't know. Yeah. And what do her what do her living relatives do with it? And, exactly. You know I, mean? That's, I mean, that brings up a really interesting point to me, you guys, that I never really thought about, which is the difference between making quote unquote horror movies about real people versus the kind that you guys love and celebrate. Um, which is, you know, it's it's like com- two completely different things, and the, because in one in one, I would argue that you know the slumber party massacre, for example, there's no you don't have a responsibility toward anything except the genre in a way. And like, how can you have fun with it? How can you flip it on its head? How can you do all these things? Whereas in the other, you have so much responsibility, as I know from firsthand experience, that it can be paralyzing. And that's, that, that makes them, that makes like horror movies should only be things that are completely <coughs> fictional. Is, is, yeah. my new, is my new piece of wisdom for everyone. <laughs> Yeah, I I totally agree. I'm typically not here for it if it's real life. Like, I mean, there was that Slender Man thing that came that I don't know. I think it came came out, but like they had to reshoot it so much and delay it by like a year because the trailer came out. And it was like so obvious that they were just like turning the story of those teenage girls that like actually murdered their friend in a park like turning that into a slender man horror movie yeah and then it's like they still kind of had to reshoot it because there was a big backlash and they had to like kind of adjust the story enough but like it's still based on that and that's just why would you make that yeah did you guys did you you haven't seen slender man i read about it i, I read saw about the do- that. i saw the documentary about it the yeah i haven't they didn't murder. i read about I it didn't, she they didn't murder her she did live Oh, she did live? Yeah, yeah. But still, but like, she got stabbed. She, they stabbed her like 50 times or something, right? Like, yeah, it's. But she survived. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's like almost even worse if the victim is still yeah, alive. Yeah, no, I mean, I think your point still stands. And it's like I saw there was an announcement for some, I don't know if it's still going to happen, but they were going to make a movie, uh, like a, a scary movie about that Alyssa Lamb or Elisa Lamb. I don't know if you ever saw the footage of that woman who the elevator the elevator yeah. no why would you do that yeah i don't know gwen i don't know if you ever saw that in the hotel downtown yeah yeah and then they found her in the water tower and they were like oh, gonna make a whole story is so creepy to me and just the history of that hotel is just so intense like yeah. i can see why people would would be inclined toward it but not if an there's an unsolved mystery about a woman who clearly uh whatever happened to her we may never know it wasn't good. Her family's not happy about it. Right, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't good and she was having a mental break or was just terrified or who knows what was going on. But yeah. it's like, but take that and do something about the hotel and then completely fictionalize it and 
you know, just go in another direction and just be inspired yeah. by it. But don't try to tell her story and have your shitty fucking CGI ghosts chasing her or whatever. Yeah, with with the horrible demon face with where the, the mouth falls with open. With the black eyes. And, and yeah, like it's just, You know, I, I think like even and uh, they've been doing this with the Amityville with all the sequels. I'm fine with the first Amityville horror. But even in like the remakes and and the newer ones, and now there's the Amityville Murders. But it's like when they're they're turning the story of the DeFeo family into a horror movie, and like they even did that in The Conjuring Two, where they go back and you see him killing the family, and I'm just like, this just isn't appropriate. Like, why? Yeah. Why would you, why would you do this? And then even um, have you seen my Amityville horror? No. It's it's the documentary about the youngest Lutz kid. And he's clearly like he it's so apparent in the movie that like, I don't know if he's dealing with substance issues or what, but like he's clearly been through it just because of the story his parents made up. And like Mm -hmm. even the made up ghost story has traumatized him to the point where like he can't even live his life like a normal person. So let let alone people that survived a murder or murdered and their families are still around. Like, yeah, it's just like, don't just there's enough horror in the real life world. Like we don't need to mind that. for yeah. horror movies like that, yeah feel that's like, my feelings i feel like that the the uh there's a version of this conversation that is going to be turned on me over and over and over in the coming months <laughs> yeah <laughs> the yeah. thing is like there are a lot of people who would perceive my you know t- telling of this story as just a rehashing uh you know for entertainment value of, of something that was genuinely tragic they won't once they see the movie, but they will before they see it. And that is something that I'm going to have to have super smart, but not too snarky um, uh, responses to. I mean, because you know what? Over and over, I've said with American Psycho, just see the fucking movie and then tell me what you think. Because people just have opinions about movies before they see them. So right. I'm already yeah. defensive. I need your counsel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also like... I think it's really admirable that like you're asking that question and like thinking about that versus like if somebody asked like Tarantino, you know, why are you, you know, he would just like go on a cocaine fueled ramble for like 10 minutes and and not explain, you know, the deeper why he wants to explore this story or, you know. Yeah. The entire time I was writing Charlie Says, I was, um, I was realizing, okay, you're writing a sympathetic movie about, brutal senseless killings um and you're writing a sympathetic movie for the killers like what are you doing what are you doing and and then so and then so i I, once in a while i would just have to say okay if your pregnant sister was stabbed 16 times would you feel like these women should get out of jail would you feel like their story should be told and um, it would just make me cry because it was too late and I was already writing it. But <laughs> <laughs> but I but I I always tried to keep myself in check in that way. Like you know don't 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 forget what they did. Like and so this right. issue of forgiveness and violence and manipulation is hopefully what what my movie will truly explore. But anyway, I'm being way too less right now. Let's talk about slasher movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're just having our little process heart circle <laughs> well sometimes it's like you know you might not have the answer you know i think it's it's worth it that you even consider these things like anthony said 
And sometimes we can hold two conflicting thoughts in our heads at the same time, which is like, mm-hmm. what they did was horrible. Is there a chance for them to be redeemed and reformed or whatever? And is their story worth telling too? Mm-hmm. You know. Doesn't that mean that um, if we can hold two conflicting concepts in our heads at the same time that we're geniuses? I must be. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> Have you seen the movie First Reformed, the Ethan Hawke show? I just saw that like last week. Oh my God. No. His speech, he has a speech about hope and despair and holding the two things in your heart and mind at the same time, which I find so, I never would have thought I would have loved uh, various things about that movie, but there's something about that speech that really also moved me. All right, I'm going super, I'm going full Les now, you guys. Take me back. (laughs) (laughs) Boobs, Uh, slumber party, massacre, pizza, bloobs. Space babes. Space babes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, I think these kind of questions come up a lot. When I reviewed Funny Games, the remake, I don't know if you guys Mm -hmm. have seen Funny Games, but yes, um, when I reviewed the remake for Final Girl and it really brought out a lot of thoughts and feelings in me. It's like, you know, I I teased you earlier, Gwen, about it's like, like, how can you watch those movies? Sometimes I ask myself that depending on what I'm watching. It's like, what brings me joy here? You know, what what is it about? Do you mean what sparks joy? Sorry, what sparks joy? Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Hashtag. Um, (laughs) Like, what am I getting out of these? What is my relate? My relationship to horror movies changes all the time, and it's changed a lot over the years. And somebody just left a comment and was like, "Just just, if you don't, if you think about it, then you know, horror movies just aren't for you." Um. And I'm like, but here's the thing. So I don't like horror movies. I mean, because I just, I just can't handle it. But I respect good ones. And a movie like Funny Games. There's like what I always want in movies and what that movie does is just deep discomfort, Yeah, you know, not so much like the slashery part of it, um, but just the like, oh, my God, like I'm so friggin tense. I don't know what the fuck is going to happen next. And it's about human dynamics. And that's why I think Funny Games, both versions are really good because you're you're just like it's it's when when people turn people who love each other against each other i'm weirdly all in Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) who would i be you know what i mean like who would i be in that situation who how would i save myself how would i stand up for the other person at the risk of my own life you know like then you get then to me you're really talking about pathos and it translates uh, just on an emotional level back to Liz. Oh, I can't even do funny games. It's it's so rough for me. Yeah. And even watching the remake, I was like, every second I was waiting for them to shift the movie just enough from the original. And I wanted to see Naomi Watts just like kill everybody. And <laughs> it did not happen. I was like waiting for her to pop back up from that water. And it yeah. did not happen. <laughs> Yeah, but so the whole sad. point of the whole point of it, the you know, or one of the points of it, the the one that's you know, oh, is this what you want as an audience member? You want the and violence, you want murder the, voyeurism, and murder yeah. voyeurism, and all that. And so, and that's a question that I ask myself all the time with horror movies. You know, so I just I don't know. Even as a fan, there's still questions. I mean, you know. I think I mean, I think that's why my tastes are running more into like just the pure camp territory is like I love the horror movies that are like 
they have like built-in subterranean queer narratives like like slumber party massacre or like you know there is this like anti-patriarchy message that comes through in them um i like the ones that are more fantasies i guess <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah. mean horror movies is such a big term there's so many different kinds you know yeah and so but my tastes have never run towards like the torture po- i don't like to see people suffering for prolonged periods no. of time i think so. martyrs is the closest i've gotten to that yeah in liking that yeah yeah well here's here's some like uh rapid fire movies do you consider them horror movies let the right one in do you consider that a horror movie yes yes um, although I find it one of the most beautiful love stories I've ever seen. Again, I was tricked into seeing it. I was totally. <laughs> it is. It is beautiful. It is. Absolutely. Rich, rich with subterranean queer narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like, what about American Psycho? Do you think that's a horror movie? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. What about a movie like The Quiet? The Quiet? What is Is that, that the Western? Um, no, or... that, that's the, the um What's his face with the big hands? Um, and he directed it. Krasinski. Um, oh, a quiet and- oh, the quiet play. Oh, Girl. Stacey, what about that one? <laughs> yes, it's a horror movie. But I did do not you- like it. I just, I just felt like here's my thing about that movie. It's just total sidebar. Is that like if Krasinski knew that he was going to have to say shh so much in a movie? Couldn't he have given a better shush gesture? Like, his, <laughs> like where his hand is for the whole shh. And he says shh like 5,000 times. It should be a drinking game. He's still like. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I could that. go on about that movie. I have gone on about that movie. All right. Your read, your read of that movie of just like uh, speaking to the, the, the sheer selfish uh selfish heteros compulsory heterosexuality yeah she went went all the way (laughs) (laughs) they gotta continue to have a baby even in this world that's screwed up yeah when your baby got fucking sucked off a bridge bitch like maybe (laughs) which was really funny another one that can't control itself and is just like a fucking blanket ham that's just gonna scream (laughs) all the fucking time a blanket ham. What is that movie? God, I hate that movie. <laughs> I'm glad that's an emotional trigger for you, Stacey. Yeah, it really is, and it's just been so lauded, and it just would. Would you hate it if it was called Blanket Ham? Well, no. <laughs> when I the first horror movie I ever saw in a movie theater was When a Stranger Calls. Ooh, good one. Oh, Carol Kane. Yeah. And, oh, I forgot she was in it because I was so terrified that it's just a dramatic experience. I just remember um, being so scared, like, so, like, is there a way for me to escape this theater? And I was, I don't know, I must have been, like, 12 or 13. And ever since then, I just thought, like, horror movies aren't for me. And And then, like, two years later... Amityville, it was Halloween and Amityville Horror was on TV. And I was like, you know what? I'm a grown up now. I'm going to, I'm all Courtney. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you got your play, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but not. Um, and I'm like, I'm going to watch this movie. I'm going to, I was home alone. It was Halloween and I was home alone and it was on TV. And I was like, I'm a big girl now. No. 
Um, literally flies gathered on a screen. I was like, that is the scariest movie ever. <laughs> so how did, do you mind my asking, how did you end up writing horror movies? <laughs> Especially coming from the trauma that they cause you. God damn Mary Heron. <laughs> we have, we, so this is our third movie together. We've written a, a fourth that um, we will make uh, soon. Uh, which is also scary. Oh my uh, god! Yeah, <laughs> and we both laugh all the time because it went like this. He wrote and directed "I Shot Andy Warhol," which yeah. is not about a serial killer. It's just about a angry les in the streets who Love just it. was nuts. Yeah. An icon for all time mm-hmm. and feminist, and you know, I mean, like wonderful. But because of that, they wanted her to do a psycho. And she and I were working on Betty Page, which is in no way a horror movie. And she said, um, oh, Gwen, I can do a really good impression of her. She's, she's <laughs> Canadian, but she's educated in Oxford. So this is how she talks. Okay. Oh, Gwen, um, I'm going to hate you for this, but um, I really think we could make a good movie out of American Psycho. <laughs> and I'm like, what's American Psycho? Just, <laughs> and, uh, and she said, well, it's this, you know, book that feminists hated, Gloria Steinem condemned, and but I think there's a satire in here and there's a feminist movie. And she's and she's like, just read the book. And I was like, okay. Ugh. And I read the book and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I was like, but I see your point. And then we both joke now because now we're just known for dark stuff. I mean, she, she did the... the the Netflix series Alias Grace, which is amazing, but also very dark. Um, so we're just, I mean, it's just where I am. I mean, I, I gotta, I gotta get out, kids. I don't know how to get out. <laughs> You're trapped. You're trapped. It just pleases me so much that two women made the best thing that Brett Easton Ellis has ever done because he's, yes. he's such a fuckhead. And, he's such a piece of shit. And has come out against all these modern horror movies that he doesn't like. And funnily enough, it's all the ones that are like about women. Yeah. Yep. I mean, then, you know, like he's, he's like, you know, openly said on, well, first of all, he's openly said, I get drunk and say bullshit on Twitter, but, um, but he openly said, you know, women just aren't as well equipped equipped to direct movies as men yeah that's just i just like and the thing about that guy is he is just a stunter you know what i mean that's a stunt and i i actually had dinner with him maybe like two months ago and he's just like he's like he's so many layers of irony that i don't even know (laughs) he makes like i'm not mad at him when i first met him after reading american psycho and we were writing the script i like mary and i met him together and i just the first thing out of my mouth was like, what the fuck is your problem? (laughs) (laughs) And he just laughs. I mean, the thing about him is he is also very hilarious and smart and gay now out gay. Um, And uh, he's just, uh, I can't can't be mad at him because he's like, so when I ran into him maybe like two years ago, I was like, Brett, what what are you saying? You said on Twitter that American Psycho never should have been made into a movie. It was not a book that was meant to be made into a movie and that women uh, are not as well equipped to direct as men. And he went, it was taken out of context. 
It's Twitter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You fucking tweeted it, man. So I'm like, is he a performance troll? Is he a performance artist? I don't. I'm trying to figure it out. No, he really is. No, he really is. Like, he's kind of just his his layers of uh, being Brett Ellis are about like being incendiary, basically. And I don't I don't know that he believes most of what he says. I think he loves to get a fucking rise out of people and he gets away with it. And that's what, what's up. So he's like Perez Hilton adjacent. <laughs> oh my God. That's the worst diss ever. <laughs> <laughs> so good though. I mean, I would not say that cause I didn't say it. <laughs> kind of like Perez literati styles. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. Well, I I just can't believe I had you on a, my horror podcast to talk about a horror movie that you had nothing to do with. Like this well, just as someone who knows you, it's just blowing my mind still. So it, it it's well once I listened to what was I listening to um your Gaylord. First of all, you have the best title for a podcast ever <laughs> I agree. stacy's a genius I... <laughs> gaylords of darkness is my fave um and second of all the fact that i had to i just had to watch this horror movie once i realized that slumber party that that rita may directed it i was like is there any one person in my life who would care the way that Stacy Ponder will care. <laughs> I want to talk about this movie. Also, maybe only one person in my life who would want to talk about this movie. <laughs> Nobody down at Whispers wants to talk about it. <laughs> Nobody down at Innuendos. <laughs> maybe we'll work you up to Suspiria. That's my goal, is to have everybody watch it. So, Wait, yeah. so here's the thing. If I make myself watch Suspiria... Not just, well, well, only the new one, not also the old one. Do I get to be back on the show? Yes. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. We have a quota to fill here. Yeah, well, you're going to do at least, (laughs) spoiler alert listeners, we're going to do at least one more Suspiria episode. We literally talk about it every episode. We do. It's It it just has to happen. So emotionally for you two as as Gaylords, um... Is Suspiria where you find your mutual spirit animal? Suspiria animal? Yes, I said it. Uh, (gasps) What do you love? I feel it's definitely one of our our horcruxes for sure. It's like (laughs) our our dark, arty, like emo, like shut up, mom. I'm in my room with my witches. Like, that's our that's our movie for that for sure. (laughs) Yeah, but I think like Stacey and I also mind meld on like. Like if there's a movie about like a possessed vacuum that stars like Patty Duke or something, then we're also there for that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have a lot of. I mean, it's much more rare for us to not agree on something. Yeah, so it's happened only like twice, but Suspiria is just kind of a part of my DNA now. So. Yeah, it's it's so core to my being. Yeah, <laughs> I just will tweet about it at three in the morning. How everyone should understand it, and it's a shame that more people don't love it. <laughs> yeah, so we have to get you on board. This gives me strength. Right? Yay! <laughs> you can do it. 
Oh my god, for me, it's like, like, I can watch, like, I like the creepy tension and, like, the suspense in the movie theater, but the stuff I can't deal with are when I'm laying in bed that night and I'm staring at my bedroom door and I can't go to sleep. And it's like Session 9 or, like, Lake Mungo, like, did those, oh. both did that to me, where it's like, I'm still hearing audio from the movie or, like, seeing an image and just staring at my bedroom door. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> live with yourselves like i because i live in a in a, an apartment that you know you can hear noises from the street you can hear like wind like the windows and like, whatever it's basically horror movie ready um so to me i'm i have to talk myself out of noises a lot like you said anthony oh. but how do you how do you guys i i, I guess it, i guess it's news to me that you um have those moments given that you this is what you focus on movie uh life-wise career-wise yeah. idea-wise i get scared yeah. you know i mean lake mungo scared the shit out of me the second time i saw it i so it just really got under my skin and bothered me and i couldn't go to sleep and so i got up and watched another not horror movie to take my mind off it yeah but usually i just am like oh i'm scared right now <laughs> like, i just you know i don't know uh- God, I'm so jealous of that. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I think my mind has replaced the fear with enjoyment at this point. For the most yeah. part, there are there are still those movies that fuck me up. But then I get scared of really stupid, irrational stuff like like I'll hear somebody talking outside my window, or I, I or like an earthquake. Like the idea of earthquakes terrify me, or like lighthouses. Like stupid stuff scares me in real life. <laughs> really, I find them so romantic. But um, so. Would you say that for someone like me, for example, to enjoy all the movies that you two enjoy, that there could be like a kind of, you know, therapy that would take like a few days where I would just watch certain movies and we would laugh about them? Like where would, how would you take someone like me into a space where I could watch all the movies that you two enjoy that I cannot enjoy? What would you say to that? I I think it's literally just kind of building up a tolerance. With that said, do we feel like it's, you know, a great thing for us to do to build up more emotional uh, tolerance for uh, on top of all of the trauma we've experienced as children? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, I think you have to want it. You have to want this as a goal. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a matter of like, what scares you like some people have very specific things that scare them like i have a friend who doesn't like people up on the walls or like up on like ceiling, ceiling people he doesn't like that kind of shit oh that shit really fucking gets under my skin right see that's like i don't like wall people where if you see a hand come pop out behind a picture frame i'm not here for that right people living in the walls people some people have very specific i guess you could just call them a trigger you know versus like are you talking about building up a tolerance towards the violence like i don't have a huge tolerance for violence i don't you know it's not something that i love but for the scary shit like i have there are some triggers but i just power through them because i want to i like that the 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 adrenaline rush of being scared is pleasurable to me versus it's gonna gonna give me nightmares whereas like i don't really need to go skydiving like some people do that to get their adrenaline rush never yeah never i can't even go on roller coasters like i I literally will hold everyone's purse and just be like (laughs) i wish they had drinks at disneyland like (laughs) 
Or right. like, I, I can't play scary games. Like, I can watch any movie, but I cannot play a scary video yeah, game. Scary games get me more than scary movies do. Like, ga- there have been video games that have made me cry because I was so scared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know there was such a thing as scary video yeah. games. F- scary video games that, like, put you, it's like a first-person perspective. And, and ruin your and, life. And ruin your life. Like, I've had some really traumatic experiences with those. Oh my god, you guys are learning so much. Yeah. That's yeah. that's too much for me. But any movie, like a disturbing image or something, like I'll probably just go to sleep. And my apartment's on the first floor. I'm just kind of like, whatever, you know? <laughs> I, I think there's an act of like kind of there's some reclaiming to it too, to like uh to like go back in, especially after childhood traumas and want to watch these. Um I think there's a certain power to that. Um and also I think like watching i think movies need to be watched with audiences you know you need to be in a movie theater with a lot of people and like a lot of people having a great time like that's my preferred way to watch a horror movie so like like doing my screening series here in portland like it's awesome because it's like 400 queer people and we're all watching a scary movie and we're all like scream laughing and having a great time and it's like it's easier to digest some of the more troublesome content that way because you're all sort of there together dialing in on the weird shit that's happening and and it's kind of nice yeah yeah versus like being home alone and like i'm gonna turn off the lights to make this even scarier yeah and and then being like what did i do yeah and then and then listening to your refrigerator make sounds and you're like it's the devil (laughs) you're gonna have this little piece this little lady in pieces in a basket. That's true. Oh. But just think, it, you could be on another episode of Gay Lords of Darkness. All this could be yours. All this. Uh, and I am, in fact, a Gay Lord of Darkness. Very gay and very dark. Exactly. Yes. You see? <laughs> so this opportunity is worth thousands of dollars in therapy bills. Yes. <laughs> bottle after bottle of St. John's wort. <laughs> all for this exposure <laughs> we covered a lot today we really did yeah. <laughs> we really did we did this, we went places I didn't know we would go I mean that's what it's like to be at whispers we, it really <laughs> Honestly, this we are an we are a, a live podcast at Whispers tonight. Like we've discussed the ethics of um, depicting and telling true horror stories. And also how we feel about all of those things. How we really feel. How we yeah. feel about them. We processed. We processed. We did. This was a glorious heart circle, sisters. <laughs> For a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my god! God. Oh Oh my my god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Darkness! Ha, ha, ha.